hoping to do some throat singing yeah. in between. <laughs> I mean, you can do throat singing if you want. Is mm. that something you're you're looking into? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I should. Yeah. You know? I think there's not enough throat singers out here, is there? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a very niche uh, niche market. Mm. Maybe get some Triple J can get on that go, throat singing. Go on then, give us a go. Oh, give, God. Give Un- us a listen. Unearthed throat singing. <laughs> what is it? I don't even know how to <laughs> do it. Go really on. Know. You're all talk. I'm all talk. Um, yeah, I'm a liar. I'm a sham. What a shame. Yeah, I know. I was hoping to hear some throat singing. <laughs> <laughs> you need to ask my ancestors. Mm. They can throat sing. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, we're from like Slavi background oh, yeah. and like Native American. And that's all like oh. throat singing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah wow. Yeah. I didn't know that about you guys. Yeah. Welcome to the Indie Setup. My name is Sean and we are brought to you by Shape House Productions. I'm your host. And with me today, or you're going to have to help me with your last names um, so I get it right, <laughs> is Bedelia and Jeremy. Lorenchev. Lorenchev? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Nice. Um, how are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm pretty well. Yeah, pretty well. Yep. Chirpy. It, yeah. <laughs> Chirpy enough. And, yeah. 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 It is early morning today, mm. um, but we are here to talk about your artistic practices as mm. emerging artists. So, uh, I guess we should start with what it's like working together as twins, right? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty unique. That's a pretty unique uh, setup you guys have going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unique yeah. deal. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, I guess I didn't realize how lucky we were. Yeah, because you basically you've got someone to bounce ideas off all mm-hmm. the time. Um, and just luckily we. We sync up a lot in work because oh, we only recently, maybe in the last yeah, like we've two years have like done official work. Yeah, together. yeah, like we we acted together as kids, but we that was just kiddie stuff, so yep. it wasn't. But uh, yeah, I think it was last year we properly started being being artists. professional actors <laughs> and like going. Oh, I like your ideas. Like, do you want to do this? And we just learned to play. It's pretty good, yeah, because we just can do it at home, bounce ideas off, although it can be a bit insane. It's great for doing, like, self-tapes. Yeah. Because it's, like, another actor. It's like, I need a blue wall, and, you know, he's literally got a blue wall. Yeah, she takes my He painted his wall blue, and I was like, thank you. Oh, that's so cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so it's really great to have, yeah, Mm. someone who... And also, yeah, plus, I guess there's that the whole thing that we are twins. Yeah. And it is good. I don't realize how unique it is until yeah. I tell people I'm working with my twin. 100%. Or, I usually say brother. And they're like, oh, cool, cool. And then twin, they're like, oh, my God. It's like yeah. somehow yeah. hugely different to brother. It's like, no, you, this is it's your twin. It's so much more fascinating. Like, particularly when I was doing grant applications or when I started my residency or development and people just were like, you're working with your twin? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. It, <laughs> we didn't really, well, I didn't think about it and like. We just sort of started working together because why did we? Well, was, we both got in. I got into an ensemble called Spark oh, yeah. Youth Theatre Ensemble, and he knew the person facilitating it through a separate thing. Like yeah. they'd worked together, and eventually somehow he slithered his way into mm, the ensemble yeah. as well. And yeah, so we actually ended up creating together. Yeah, such a that. brother thing to be like. How did we? Why? What? How did we do this again? Yeah, yeah. It was awkward when at one point they're like, oh, uh, because I didn't audition, so to speak. Because, like, because they'd seen me, the facilitator had seen me do 
artistic stuff before. So she's like, oh, basically I've seen you do what we would make you audition. Mm. So I just slithered my way into a production um, for Halloween-based time last year, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. A year ago. Yeah, and then we just started up low standards because, I don't know, it started off as a joke, but then... Um, it wasn't really a joke. But... No, but um, yeah, we wanted to really explore what we make and what our story is. And Low Standards is the show you're working on this year? Uh, yeah, well, Low Standards is kind of, uh, I guess, our organisation, mm-hmm. I suppose. Mm. Um, and it came from the idea, one, because of just classic wordplay and Low, because our name has Laurentia. Uh But just also because of the idea that for uh, Low Standards, the purpose of Low Standards is to empower and to give ownership of story. So it's that idea for a lot of minority or marginalized groups. Mm. They don't have those aspects and there is a low standard for these groups. Like, oh, we don't expect much from disabled people. So mm-hmm. it's kind of playing on that idea. And also I love eventually, you know, fingers crossed yeah. that when we you know, have more, you know, get past this show mm. and then hopefully into other projects, people will start saying, oh, um, like I loved that low standard show. Like, you know, the flipping idea of it. flipping the narrative, this, yeah. this terminology that sounds negative. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of our organization. And yeah, we're developing a work under that. So we'll come back to the show in a little bit, but I want to get an idea, a bit more of an idea about yourselves as individuals mm. um, first. So Jeremy, what do you consider yourself as an artist? How do you like classify yourself? Uh, great question. Um, <laughs> it's um, funny because we were asking this question. We did interviews and we kept yeah. asking you like, how do you identify? How do you classify? Oh, and yeah. they're always like, this is a hard question. And obviously now we're getting in. It. Like, yeah. Oh. Uh, I consider myself to be a young emerging artist. Um, I'm from Western Sydney. So those are the typical cards. Um, I like to explore all a, a lot of platforms um, in the art. So theatre, film, uh, devised pieces, movement. I'd love to explore dance. I'm just a bit more um, tall and slim and <laughs> no coordination. Yeah. So I'd be like one of those car things on the side of a road. Um, How tall are you? For, um, for the <laughs> six record. foot six. So yeah, nice. Um, just not a enormous. Bit taller than me. Yeah, just, just a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yes, I can look like I'm on stilts sometime. Um, but yeah, and um, recently I. Um, I've been really enjoying doing projects that I can relate to. So identify as a queer and disabled artist as I'm uh, deaf. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm just exploring through Auslan and how to make it not a taboo area. Yeah. Um, and also make the deaf community be seen and pardon the pun, but heard <laughs> by... Um, the hearing community and also for me i've only i'm only delving into the deaf community because um it took me a long time to admit my deafness but um uh and it's just getting worse so like i'm completely deaf in my left ear and um quite deaf in my right um and yeah just interesting when i tell people i know auslan now which is australian sign language yep um it's just fascinating because people just uh Yes, it's cool, and I love that people think it's cool because it is. It's my favorite language. I call it my, like, you know how some people's, like, their native tongue. I consider Auslan my native tongue. Yeah, like, right. I just feel so me when I do it. Um, mm. I'm not going to do some on this because you can't see it. Uh, <laughs> um, you'll just, just see your head sliding. Um, 
yeah, and uh, that's how I consider myself as an artist. Um, yeah, I just like um, telling a story that relates to me or playing, but with a message. Mm. What about yourself, Bedelia? I guess uh, I would identify as a emerging female artist. Um, I am disabled and that's like a huge part of my work mm-hmm. now. Well, I guess it's kind of weird to say now because I've, I've always <laughs> been disabled. So I guess it's always been part of my work. Um, but you're incorporating it in. Yeah. Um, I get Yes, ex- <laughs> exactly. Uh, unlike accidentally. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I guess I identify as an actor, a theatre maker, um, and dancer, which I'm now properly saying, I used to just say mover, oh, yeah. just because I was, you know, obviously just being like, oh, I wasn't um, traditionally trained, um, more through physical theatre, but now I'm in two dance companies, so I'm like, gotta, gotta say I'm a dancer now. You gotta sell yourself exactly, and um, I think a facilitator of arts yeah. practices because a huge part for me is I. I really love to either facilitate stories by others, particularly um, I'm very strong in that if it's not a story I can tell, I won't tell it, mm. but I would, I will facilitate it because, you know, mm. if I have that power, you know, you know theatre I think is the greatest forum for social change. And so that's a huge part of my craft is creating work that can encourage discussion and yeah. social change. I know it sounds really like a bit bougie, but you know, yeah. you've got to have dreams. Um, uh yeah but um strong part is also i'm obsessed with Auslan um as well i think it's a beautiful language um particularly so physical and visceral and so i'm trying the moment to explore with jeremy um Auslan choreography Auslan in dance and yeah so i think that's kind of craft in a little nutshell yeah 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 does it change when you guys are working together like when you're looking at your own personal goals and craft when you're together does that change or does it just kind of merge um uh could you elaborate a bit more if that's all right i guess what i mean is um are you thinking like are you thinking differently when you're working together Mm. basically is Mm. it like one mind like a hive mind yeah yeah. (laughs) um i think sometimes it is a bit of a hive mind it's kind of terrifying um like, we always get asked, oh, what twin moments do you guys have? Like, do you feel each other's pain and stuff? Um, there's only been a few incidents of that. But anyway, um, like, yeah, I think for me personally, it's um, one of my favorite things to do is to talk with Bedelia and like we'll go to a coffee shop and we'll just talk about our show or we've even got other projects that we're um, starting up and it's like a therapy session, but then also just... It's different pieces to the same puzzle, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And because we have such different experiences, but such similar upbringing, it's so easy to work together. There are days, trust me, there are days where we're like, <gasps> an hour will be awful. And yeah. we'll just be like, no, that's it. Go to yoga. Yeah, we, we've it, got when it. When it flips more to siblings, or it gets really like... Tense yeah, and just... Kind of like snarky. Yeah. Like there'll just be a morning <laughs> that we just won't. We'll need to get a grant done or something and there'll be a time limit and it'll just be awful. And we've gotten better now of just going, no, nah, we'll go for a walk and then we'll feel better. But um, it's not, I think... I'm pretty impressed how well we work together because mm, I know same. a lot of siblings and a lot of twins sometimes don't actually get along because they can, and I get it, like sharing things can sometimes get annoying, but 
I kind of dig it. So yeah. yeah, I think it's. I think maybe when we spend more time apart, our visions are different. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know because like I think you were more, a little bit more film orientated than me. Yeah. Um, and art like being an actor. Yeah. But like since we've kind of, I don't. We found this project has actually bridged a lot more connection between us. Yeah. Like we were always close, mm-hmm. but I think it's because yeah we've come from. Like literally the experiences of going, oh my gosh, queer and disabled, like we helped like through each other. We've created that bridge. Of course, that bridge has always been there. It's yeah. just, we've now been like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. so, you know, so evident to us now. Yeah. Um, the number and- of car rides we'd, I'd be like, oh, it sucks. Like having to come out or something and people would be like, mm, it's just like being disabled and stuff. And then, yeah. And then like- Jeremy, because I was, I was born disabled. So like from birth. Whilst his was discovered later on in life, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily that it wasn't there. It's just like the state of being mm. disabled was discovered later. And then his identifying as queer happened before mine. And so it was like this interesting kind of like opposites kind of connecting. Yeah. And so I think we've become more hive mindy. And I think, yeah, there is a bit of a change as you said, you know, as you were asking mm. that, yeah, we do kind of mold together more and switch to a different. I guess a different track. Especially because like I had the traditional uh, tertiary education training yeah. for acting. I did three years, learned all that stuff. Meisner um, and Stanislavski. 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 Right. <laughs> that was a bit rude. Building. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I went to LA and lived there, did all the film work um, and stuff. Whereas Bedelia's... I was very much like a Western Sydney artist. So. You know, I... Ensemble, um, you know, <laughs> grassroots, yeah. you know, joining like Q Theatre and PYT and Spark Youth Theatre and mm. just diving into and Dance Makers Collective, like all these kind of more um, emerging and um, like theatre making groups. So we've come from, like, usually they're quite, you know how people can be quite enemies of each other? Yeah. You know, the people who didn't go study, sure, study yeah. can sometimes be like, you don't yeah. need to go study a degree. Like, you know, you can find opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, you can make and your own Or the bachelor people. Study like, oh, you have yeah, no idea. You don't, oh, know, you don't know my eyes now. You don't know, know the technique. <laughs> yes. yeah, what Three, is the yeah. if? What are your objectives? Yeah. yeah. So it's been interesting. Also, I think bridging those two different pathways because. Well, yeah, it's a different experience. Yeah. Because mm. we thought, I guess we thought we'd be going. Separate ways. Separate ways, which is hilarious because we are in the same industry. Yeah. And I think we just always thought we'd be far apart yeah well that it's like i've always had more of a mathematical mind and stuff whereas padilla has been like like you can draw and do that stuff so you've got that artsy <laughs> you can draw yeah, yeah, no, who needs no. math <laughs> you, no but you've got like the artsy inner side where she's like i just want to mm, create my theater <laughs> and i'm like i love a good script or something and um i feel like this prod like us working together has brought me more finding out how I can create from my inner self. Yeah. And Cause you weren't really very, he wasn't like, you weren't no. very theater maker, like no. you devising theater. That wasn't really your form. You liked no. scripted stuff. Yeah. Um, I love a good script too, but I think I've just fallen more into environments that have yep. been devising. Yeah. So that's been interesting. Yeah. So now we're just, yeah, we work. Well, it's, yeah. It's I think a, we're unlocking kind of gifts in each other. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like realizing that we can, like for me, I've realized now more film, how I can evolve that more in my art. Um, I also got that through Q work, but mm. through him, I've been like, ah, I can, how can film enter into the theater landscape? Well, 
Yeah, part of it was during her Q theatre work, she had to do film and, I mean, who's she going to get? Like, me. So then... <laughs> so I, many projects. I was like, Jeremy. And I'm like, or okay, my other brothers, where, you know? where am I going to a park to film something? Okay, yep, you can use my phone. Okay. Yep, you can use my wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be there with my tripod. She'll go for it. She's like, thank you. Um, so through that, I'm like, oh, I like this artsy thing. And then we go, well, actually, maybe we'll use that for something like we'll pocket away for us. And yes. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the good things is because obviously I'm a man, a male identifies male, mm-hmm. you identifies female. Yes, we I don't do. have to go for the same roles, which gets rid of one competition side. Yeah. I think that would have really changed our relationship yeah. if we were both identifying as the same gender. It would be hard. Yeah, because mind you, we do look like we're not same stature. Or no, anything, so <laughs> no. <laughs> even if I did identify, I might not be the same roles. Yeah. No, it's good. So you're leaning into your show um, and your, as you called it, organization, low standards. Um, I want to talk about your uh, disabilities and like mm. why. Well, I saw mm. your call out for artists, first of all, um, where you put that up on social media and, media and you were looking for queer or disabled artists, right? Mm-hmm. I guess let's ask personally for yourselves, what are some of the challenges of making and creating with uh, disability? It is very interesting because there's a lot of politics that comes with disability, especially. Mm. Um, uh, if you don't, if it's not a rude question, what is your disability for everyone? Yeah, sure thing. It's funny. Like if you'd asked me maybe three years ago to say, I'd be like, oh, like I just three not had to, ago? it wouldn't be offended. What? <laughs> I think a year ago, <laughs> a year ago. I'd probably be, uh, yeah. Um, oh, cause like also I've had a lot of, um, difficulty in disability identifying because I was misdiagnosed as a baby, which caused some like strange um, relationship with identifying as disabled. Um, So I have cerebral palsy Mm -hmm. um, and also a, that's so that's a neurological um, disability and also a physical disability called arthrogryposis, which is yes, quite a word. I always love when people are like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yes, you've got it. Um, yeah. And so that kind of means I don't have, I have contractions in my limbs. So for me, it's in my left arm. So in my shoulder, my elbow, because I don't really have an elbow, which is always a good fun fact. People are like, you know, people, when you meet people, they're like, tell us a fun fact about you. I'm like, I don't have an elbow. And they're like, oh. Um, So it's it's easy. Or I say I'm a twin. Like it's one or tell They go, oh no, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Can I help? Um, And in my wrist as well. So they're kind of all just contracted and like same with my fingers. So I get to wear some mad splints Mm. at night time. Or when I'm not with people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's me in a nutshell. What about you, Jeremy? Yeah, so I've got otosclerosis, um, which is like sort of bones growing in the eardrum and um, mm-hmm. eardrum vibrates, create the sound. So if that doesn't happen, you don't hear anything. Um, so I've been basically deaf in my left ear since year five. I refused to wear a hearing aid for all of my schooling because I was skinny and wore glasses. I had enough things to be bullied with. So I thought, let's not add on to that one. I feel Um, feel the glasses thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I catch myself still when I meet people that um, I want to be taken seriously with. I might not want to put my hearing aid in because I think it'll just either they'll pity me or they'll look at me differently or like not be able to relate. And, but I'm taking ownership over that. And, um, yeah, and then my right ear's gotten worse, um, so I'm 
actually don't know what percentage of hearing I have. Um, and that's been hard. I was basically legally blind a few years ago um, because I have Marfan syndrome, which is a genetic genetic mutation disorder. Um, doctors don't even know it. So, um, I mean, some doctors do. Yeah, doctors, obviously I wouldn't. Yeah, but um, yeah, and... I, it's not a disability, but it can cause, like, so, um, basically everything, extensive tissue disorder, so everything grows to its full, um, and so, um, I have to get my heart checked, and, like, my eyes were, my lenses had detached, so I couldn't really see, like, I almost didn't get my learners, because I just couldn't read the board, Mm. um, and yeah, so I've had surgery in my eyes. So that was fun for a bit <laughs> where it was like, oh, cool, blind and deaf. I just love that to be a 19-year-old yeah. who's just... And I know there are people born like that and I can't imagine what it's like. But um, I've spoken with my cousin who is completely deaf and she was born completely deaf. And um, yeah, it's just a different thing losing it because it's like you know what you've lost. Yeah. And... So that was, um, I think that made me um, grow up in aspects very early on, knowing how um, uh, delicate things are or how lucky I am with things I have. So when I got my sight back, it was insane. Mm. And like, I cried and I didn't know what to do. And I just, I can still remember what it's like to be blind. So um, I just, and it's weird meeting people now who don't know that about me. And uh, it's just a weird part of my identity that's gone, but I still have it. So it's fascinating meeting people when things like that change. But yeah, so I, yeah, my deafness is that. And yes, well, it's going back to your question about um, putting it into the show. It, yeah, it, it creates a whole lot of politics around it. Like the deaf community has a lot um God, I need to be delicate because it's 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 a delicate situation yeah, um, sure. between the hearing community and deaf community because hearing community have over years tried to take control over how to educate a deaf person. Like it wasn't till oh, I don't I don't know exactly. It was the oh, there's a sign called Pa, which means finally in Auslan, and that was sort of created because it was finally an education system to teach deaf people in a deaf way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I obviously, if people like look it up, because I can't remember exactly, but it wasn't till the late 1900s. So not that long ago. Like, I think, it was like, I, think um, I, the 60s. I was going to say between Fact the 60s and <laughs> yeah, it's, it was late. Like, so the de- there's a massive divide and then there's a divide in the deaf community because there's a hierarchy to everything. And so it was really difficult for me to identify as disabled because uh, I am not physically disabled, like my hearing is, but I can still do everything normally. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't lift weights or do contact because of my Marfans, but that's a different thing. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's a bit scary for me. I still bite my tongue when I choose how to identify. Like, do I go hearing impaired or do I go deaf because I don't want to offend people mm. and I'll get discredited for my own disability. Yeah, um, wow. And it happens a lot. And it's really hard because I don't want to offend uh, people who have lived 
uh, with more of a disability than me, but everyone's worse is their worse. And that's what something we've really spoken about because Mm. like I will never judge someone for who might be a little bit deaf but and they're like, oh, it really struggles because I'll be like, that is your struggle. That is your worst. And you don't know any different and I'm not going to discredit that. And my worst is my worst. So um, that's something. And that's why I meant it's sort of a therapy session when we talk about it and it's any questions we put towards um, the ensemble or the group we're going to have or online for a survey, we always ask ourselves and we have to really think about who we're going to offend um, how we're going to um, portray this, how we're going to ask people. But it's um, also, it's really important learning to dismantle ableist language. Yeah. Because obviously a lot, most disabled people have such internal ableism. Like I know I do um, and <laughs> you do and a lot of my disabled friends um, and it's just been so what do you mean by that? Oh, um, yeah, oh golly. Uh, I mean, if, the, if that's a loaded question. No, I know. It's fine. Um, so obviously a lot of society is inaccessible to disabled people. Like, for example, just in COVID, um, for a lot of disabled people, the online realm has been fantastic for accessibility. Online theatre, online work, all those spheres mm. mean for pardon me, a lot of people who can't access those normal spaces now can and so that's kind of dismantling ableism in a way Mm -hmm. um and like i think it's also the idea when you say to people um like for example with jeremy if people say oh you fixed your eyesight yeah or will you get your can you can you get your hearing fixed it's like well saying fixed means that that you're inherently saying something is wrong yeah that you are broken in a way and i um i literally said that yeah, and, and like my cousin even, picks me up on it, yeah, which was good. Exactly. And even the idea that a lot of people want to say to me that, wow, you've achieved so much for being disabled, or, or mm. no, um, or the classic one, uh, I didn't hear you, I don't see your disability, <laughs> which, whilst <laughs> I understand, like, I'm not going to like rip someone apart for saying that because I know their intention is super sweet because they're basically saying, I see you as human. But obviously when you're saying that, you're ignoring a huge part of my existence and you're making it invalid in a way. You're saying that that part, and it makes it harder for a disabled person to ask for help because they go, oh shit, they don't see my disability. Okay, I've got to kind of act able now. Yeah, yeah, so just little kind of uh, bigger sort of forms of ableism as well as like microaggressions. And then... Yeah, internal ableism is like yourself putting it on. Like me saying, oh, I fixed my sight because I believed there was something wrong with it. And it, it can sort of translate um, to like uh, another one is internal homophobia. People more know that when you're um, homophobic to yourself because mm-hmm. of the outside has seeped in. And like for internal mm. ableism, uh, I can think I'm not deaf enough. I can think... Um, gosh. Uh, well, for me, like I wouldn't wear splints mm. outside. Yeah. Just because, you know, I go, even though I might not think that much into it, I go, oh, that's, I'm doing that because I don't want to look disabled. Mm. Or I might do activities that I shouldn't do. And maybe like I achieve it to a certain degree, but then for the rest of the week or even a month, I'm out. Like my body is just wrecked. And, you know, that's, that's like the price you pay for trying to, you know, 
that internal ableism driving you to be like, I can overcome this. Mm. It's like, you don't need to. <laughs> it's who you are. And yeah. literally, literally thinking about it, I expressed my internal ableism um, just before when I said, I don't put my hearing aid in because I want to be taken more seriously. That's me projecting, thinking people don't take me seriously for wearing a hearing aid. It doesn't mean I don't, but I just assume people wouldn't. And like, I remember... I used to look at people with hearing aids differently as a kid because I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to be like them because people know that they're not normal. And this is something you want to tackle with your shows with uh, low standards? Down hope, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's opening a big wormhole. It's just, it's so interesting already because of kind of trying to address these things. The tension it can bring up between disabled people, like for the fact that, I identify as a disabled person while some people who are disabled find that offend- offensive and they would be a, want to buy, be identified as person first. So there's like person first and identity first. So I'm identity first. I'm like disabled person while person first is that I'm a person with a disability, oh, yeah. which is just like, of course, each person's welcome to their own way of identifying. Yeah. But it's amazing how certain like what would seem like such small language can totally affect, you know, whether you've offended someone. Um, even like even some of our uh, surveys, yeah. we had some like completely anonymous, some completely anonymous, but mm-hmm. some people who were like found this didn't want to do the survey because they found it upset them, which of course, yet again, they're entitled to. I actually find that really interesting. Yeah. Like that really helps us learn more and help us engage better with, the content we're trying to tackle because they're part of your audience too right yeah absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. this is not just skewed to this is not like a oh disabled and queer people are going to teach you know um straight yeah of course non-able-bodied people um but it's very interesting then also just yeah navigating just yeah disabilities i I think the great way that someone said to me is that the difference between kind of the LGBT community is that that's kind of a club you want to be part of. It's like fun. They have a parade while disability, it's not really a club people want to be part of because obviously no one really wants to be disabled in their life. No one openly chooses to be like, Ooh, I, you know, I am disabled. Um, I mean, you can be proud, but you know, it's not something that's seen as joyful normally. And so I think the aim of our work is to really, allow a space for disabled and queer people one because we really want to connect to these communities i think let's open up dialogue because there's so much similarity um you can learn we can learn so much from each other and just but then secondly my main thing is i really want to break the idea that these groups are minorities Mm. because they're not they're just marginalized groups and the only way we can achieve that is by creating a space where you're seeing like a bloody plethora of these people yeah right yeah um do you have any idea when we'd be able to catch some of your work uh we do have a development showing Mm. uh third of december but that is obviously under procedural stuff of covid COVID. so Mm. i don't know how we're gonna open it can be but we are hoping around mardi gras festival next year to release a film Film. art version of at least a part of the show this Sorry. entire thing will be hearing and deaf friendly yeah. so and completely accessible. So uh, so if people can't get to the theatre or, yeah, so it's just... So, yeah, that was also our idea with really tackling the film 
part first and yep. film in theater for accessibility purposes as well as um, just because COVID as well. So yeah. hopefully around Mardi Gras next year, yeah. people can catch a bit of the magic. We plan to do more advertisements for it soon and just start really getting on that um, publicity. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap it up there, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a real treat, actually, for me. I've been your stories are really interesting, and <laughs> I would love to have you on again. Oh, thank um, you. So, Delia, Jeremy, uh, thanks for coming. This has been the indie setup, and thanks everyone for listening. Oh.